0: Welcome again this week. You know, tis the season to be jolly and tis the season to give back. It's always good. Good to do that, right? It's good for the soul. It's good for wellness and fitness. You know, this podcast, if you're searching it up on on one of your favorite places to get your podcast, you'll notice that I have a little verbiage here. It says health, fitness, stuff like that. But I haven't been talking about fitness and health these last several weeks because when you give back to community, that's part of good health. That is what it is, right? You know, you're. it's good for the psyche. It's good for everybody's good for community and that's what we're getting right back to today something about a mission (laughs) and when you get someone new that comes to town there's always some great synergy going on and we're going to be talking to two guests today you're going to meet coming up next on the bob jeswald show
1: personal power people positive the community of connection this is the bob jeswald show
0: Well, you know, it's nice every week when you get close to it. When you think about, and I say this too, we we talk about like Veterans Day in the past. You can see some of those episodes. It's always about Veterans Day should be every day. And and giving back to the homeless and and those that are most in need should be every day too. Of course, sometimes a lot of us get hooked into seasonal aspects or, or particular days that are sanctioned for a Veterans Day or Memorial Day, if it's a government holiday. Why do we have to wait for that? Well, we're not going to be that well, anymore. <laughs> we're going to make sure people know this is an everyday affair. And so that brings us to Valley Rescue Mission in the local areas around Fort Benning, Columbus, Georgia. And we know there's a mission where you are somewhere in the United States, wherever you may be listening to this podcast. And today, two guests, a familiar face you see in the middle, that's Greg Wilson, of course. He is our, uh, of course, our director. I call him the director, but actually you're still the, um, I, I do this to you all the time. <laughs> you do it every yeah, time. I do it every <laughs> single time. Don't let me, I'm going to do it again because when, what you're doing is you're, you're looking for development. Right. So you're t- kind of development director. Would it be better to say that? Or Marketing and development. Marketing and and develop- specialist. development. specialist. Yeah. I know. Special titles. but Special uh, titles. You, you know, and then a new face. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let Greg, I'm going to let Greg no way, introduce you your boss. Go ahead. And this is, I, just go ahead. This is me good. All right. Introduce him. Let's see it. That's All why right. you're here. So you just threw a curveball, yeah. but yeah. And, that, and that's okay. Or a it's, slider. It's a I, th- I love this stuff. A slider. Right, I, t- I'm not a good. I just throw. I just throw them over the uh, over the box area, so it's a fair ball. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right.
2: Well, I want to introduce you know the incoming president and CEO of Valley Rescue Mission, Mr. Van Ellison. He comes to us from Florida. You know, uh, just an awesome res- uh, resume. If you were to take a look at uh, his his history, you know where he started. His journey through life and where he is today, you know, it's just it does me great pleasure to introduce the incoming president and CEO of Valley Risk Commission, Mr. Van Ellison. Oh, applause, come on, we'll is, get Dylan there. Yeah,
0: we, we have it. Van, he's smiling there, looking good. You, Van, you're excited. This, is, yeah. you're 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 a new kid in town. I just thought of the Eagles, kind of go through my my mind here for a moment. So, as the new the new CEO in town. Mm-hmm. and Greg kind of kind of getting you up to speed with things here and there, and you're tapping sources, uh, you're being embraced well. I mean, in the short few weeks you've been here, I'm hearing a lot of good stuff. It's not easy to do, to, to come in here. You know, it's a lot on a plate. You never, you know, you, you want to leave, you know, the people who left it up. You always want to build upon the success. Right. Um, how are you doing that? Wh- what are we looking at? What's the next strategy to keep people in the space of making sure that we recognize, you know, hunger
1: homelessness, drug addictions, and much more. Well, you know, it, it's exciting to be in Columbus in this area. The This whole valley, the Chattahoochee Valley, great people. They love their community. When you have a community w- uh, based around a military base, you're going to have patriotism, and I need to be doing the right thing. I need to be standing up for the right causes. It's just part of the culture here. And so to me, it's really an exciting place to be here and to be part of that and to really see the impact you know the valley rescue mission is a very long long history it's is coming close to 60 years in existence it's grown over the years and as the needs of grow and what we do is I've come to town having worked in this field for 38 years now. That's a long, long d- time. A yeah. long time. I'm, when I s- you say that I'm the new kid in town, I think you have no idea how <laughs> no, untrue but that but is. But I'm you, not a but kid you anyway. You look but great. I'm You're still young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I mean, if you guys are watching the Video
0: portions podcast, uh, he's and you can see that at WRBL.com, uh, good-looking, sharp guy, you know, Greg, too. You know, you guys are, you know, but you don't look it. You know, th- years come up
1: quick, but that kind of experience is necessary for something like this. Yep. Well, what happens is, you know, the needs in a community, a a mission like the Valley Rescue Mission, we don't have any needs. The community has real profound needs to impact the lives of our less fortunate. We get to be a vehicle through which you get to express your love, your care, your concern for the less fortunate. And so I always think about what is, what are we called to do as a mission? We feed hungry people. we, We deal with the less fortunate. Those who are at the end of the rope as they're homeless, they're on the streets, they're um, captivated by an addiction that is paralyzing and destroying their lives. You know, what happens, a mission like the Valley Rescue Mission, what we've been able to do is you go and you meet people where they are. And over the years, many people have talked about homelessness and, and how, to, how to address those issues. And a not-for-profit like this, especially faith-based organizations, have this really unique capacity because what makes somebody homeless more than anything else is being alone there's mental health issues, there's addiction, somebody had a brush with the law, there's loss of a job, a breakup, and all kinds of circumstances. But all of our families, everybody who's listening today, all of us have had some some trouble in our family. Certainly. And what happens is we have coworkers, we have neighbors, we have friends at church, we have family that reaches around and helps us get through those tough times. When you don't have that, the Valley Rescue Mission becomes that family to reach out to that person who's on the streets with nobody that take their call. Well, we're there 365 days a year when you have Thanksgiving and Christmas and you have big holiday events. That's fun and exciting. But we want to be there every day of the year to make sure that that man or woman doesn't lose hope. You know, in the, uh coming out of the pandemic or having been impacted by this, One of the great tragedies is that the homeless and the addicted, the overdose death rate in America has doubled during the pandemic. It's another pandemic we're not even talking about. Uh, Domestic violence and divorce, families are breaking up at record levels. As people are isolated, you know, what happens is human beings are made for human connection, for intimacy and to care and to connect. Well, as we're separated because of quarantine issues and because of working from home and being laid off from work and all of a sudden people who are isolated are more likely to let their addiction take hold in a powerful way. And so we've seen our society fragmented and and we're fraying around the edges a little bit. So the work of the Valley Rescue Mission and so many people in this community that care, there are churches, there are businesses, there are civic groups, there are other organizations. As we reach out to the less fortunate we're really adding value to our lives as well. You know, we were talking a little bit before about health and fitness and doing the right thing. You know, the American Psychological Association years ago was, they always study mental illness and what, what are the diagnostic criteria. And they started studying what makes somebody really healthy. And they found two common factors. One was a sense of purpose and belonging. And the second was generosity, Giving and being involved in somebody else's life. And so, you know, at the holidays, especially Thanksgiving, what a better day to be be thankful and mm-hmm. to be grateful for that and adding gratitude, being generous, giving back and having a purpose using my life to impact the life of those around me, it really adds value. So you bring joy to somebody who's struggling.
0: You can see how your face lit up on there and I know Greg, Greg is, you know, you concur because you, you know, you've seen it in the, the several years that you've been here now with the Valley Rescue Mission. You know, it's it seems like it would be challenging in that what do you do from your predecessor or what they've been doing for many years that would change? Although you did hit on something, you know, with the pandemic and much you've, you're seeing a rate kind of rise exponentially now because people perhaps are separated or on top of each other mm-hmm. or somebody who might be isolated and alone may be more tempted to do more of a substance abuse type thing. Where, What do you think... Where, what do we have to do next? I mean how do you tackle that? I mean I just curious how right. do you sit down and you guys sit and you at a think
1: tank I mean where do you go from there? I mean, well you know the the real great advantage of coming in new is you get to ask questions you get to meet people like come on meet yeah. Bob and yeah. what do you think we should be doing? Where do you see gaps in the okay. community And so the first thing I'm doing is I don't come in with an agenda of let's change it and let's charge ahead with this but what do we what are the community leaders what are people in the area where we, work and live. What are they saying? So I want to meet with law enforcement, elected officials, civic leaders, business leaders, and, and really get a pulse on the community and see where are there? Where are there gaps? Uh, One of the homeless service providers just announced yesterday that they're closing their doors. Yes, And so, you know, that shuffles the deck a little bit. Where Mm -hmm. should we be in that mix? Now are there? We don't want services that were essential for the people they cared for to be missed. But we want to say, are there other areas with addiction just rampant? Um, nobody's even giving that much attention nationally. And so certainly we're going to be on the forefront. Um, we're going to work with the sheriff's office and law enforcement, the judges, the court systems, to make sure that people that have made a mistake and they're because of their addiction, they're not just going to prison. They're now getting a chance to see their life transformed, either when they get out of custody, you know, 99% of people in custody. You have a, a jail here in Muskogee County that's going to house about 900 people. And 99% or more of those people will be released back into this community. And so when they're released, we want to make sure that they become functional, healthy citizens that can give back to society instead of g- getting on that cycle of going back to it. So we're going to really spend the next 30 days really getting to know people, having lots of coffee and breakfast and uh, meals with people and just listening a lot, taking a lot of notes and, and really charting a course. We have a really good board of directors and you have a broad brush of the community that supports the Valley Rescue Mission. Sure. Nice. And so there's going to be some new initiatives we'll start. Uh, what those are, I don't know yet because you haven't told me. Okay, and yeah. so and, maybe and I will. I can tell you yeah. some
0: things that I, that, that I see and, and, um, and I was going to uh, tap you guys on it as well too. The The part that I see, and I know it's, it's very, very hard, is that um, the mental illness and that, and that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a tough one to grab. I mean, I was in Las Vegas for some time, and there was a lot of debate. We had the mayor at the time, um, Goodman, great mayor, by the way, he was the mayor who, who wrote on No One Can Ever Challenge Him, was when he was ready to, to hang mm-hmm. it up, and then his wife took over for a while. Did good things, but there was some controversy of big cities in their particular areas that you melt. Let, let's just use our river walk. So right. I'll, I'll be more, I'll t- kind of tie it in there. Our river walk to the Fremont Street of Las Vegas, for example. It, very high tourist, very important to keep it, you know, less, you know, you're not going to see a lot of people begging or, mm-hmm. or those who with drug addictions, doing drugs or somebody falling asleep or, you know, that kind of image was to get moved out of there. So there was... You know, bus tickets offered to to move, you know, and transport our you know our citizens that are uh, homeless or whatever it may be, and we have a little bit of Riverwalk stuff. We we had one incident out of the whole time our Riverwalk, um, you know, has been open, and and that's to me that's really good. But one, it all takes is one we don't want it, and it was proven. I guess the gentleman. Um, I don't know where he was or what his situation he could have been doesn't mean he was homeless could have been a regular I don't know his situation of that story I guess we never were able to get that Mm -hmm. whether it's relevant or not but he raped a young lady that was on there Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a lot of homeless people most of them it's it's honorable to to wave to them some of them who are not mentally uh, disabled they they they're totally functioning and they may even say my name and I find that to be an honor you know I say guys I do and I like to talk you know not necessarily, you gotta, you gotta be careful. You gotta pick your, yeah. and I've talked to Greg about this before because sometimes you don't want to approach somebody and he may not be there and he may take mm-hmm. it or they're delusional or something. It's not like that's running rampant, but it's there. Um, how do you, what do you do to, uh, because I'm seeing more of it because right. I use, I use a lot of our public access for rails to trails, river walk, that type of thing. So seeing that yeah. is a sign of the times, of course. Um, you know, how do you approach them? What do you guys do? Do you, you get mil- I know you get some volunteers out there. You do, but how do we, how do we do that? What could a citizen do? What can I do or someone else to, to make it better without putting ourselves in a position? that might not be the right, right. thing to do. Well, go, go ahead. Go go great, well, uh, The
2: last time I was here, I mean, we talked yeah. about that a little bit and, you know, I talked about just for the community to have an awareness of the resources that are currently in place. You know, I mean, Valley Rescue Mission, I mean, we are a resource, and there are other resources available. You know, Open Door, they're a resource, and you have uh, Feed in the Valley. That's a resource. So just being Safe House Ministries is a resource. So these are there are a lot of resources that are currently in place where you can guide and direct someone to that, someone that approaches you. But I do think that there is a mental health issue, a uh, uh, mental health uh, issue in our, in not just in the, our community, but we would, we d- we definitely don't want to ignore it, right. you know. We you right. don't want to ignore the fact that someone may need a service or resource that we currently today are not providing. Valley Rescue Mission currently today, in all transparency, is not. A, uh, we don't have a mental health professional on staff currently. I believe that that very well could change. You know, so who knows the direction that that we as an organization will will go into? But being aware of those resources, knowing that you know, there's the, the Bradley Center, knowing that there are other uh, places that individuals can go and be referred to, to, uh, you know, the Pastoral Institute, other other places here in town that do have staff available, you know, to deal with some of those mental health needs and mental health challenges that people do have. But it's, re- it's real. Mm-hmm. And we, and we certainly do not, we'll be doing ourselves a disservice by ignoring it or turning a blind eye to it.
0: And, and and I appreciate that in a couple episodes, if you wanted to, hear more in depth on a different topic too. Greg discussed this. Uh, I think it was about three, four episodes on yes, Bob Jeswolchel. You can check out as well. And I'm, I'm glad we said that. So, how many people? And I know one of our resource centers had just closed. I, I got the impression from that story was because that the, they were able to find other places, like the, almost like they their services. Not that they weren't needed anymore, but they've those people. I, I, I sort of got that a little bit, and maybe I'm half listening. It doesn't seem right because. The more the merrier, or is it better to have one consolidated? What would, what do you think? Seeing our city and, and how many people you guys have witnessed so far that are
1: using the facility. Well, you know, it really it, there's a, a situations like dealing with a mentally ill or homelessness or anything. No one agency can do it, and it's everybody doing their part. I think law enforcement has to be part of the mix. Okay, you know, safety is a as a big issue, not just for you as a, a runner out on the trail somewhere, but for that mentally ill person that. They're not safe oftentimes. They're, they're hearing voices that are telling them something that, that could make them dangerous to themselves, to the environment, to others, uh, to businesses around there. So, you know, there's the safety issue. Um, there's a medical issue. Most mental illnesses are now treated with medications that can really be effective. But, unfortunately, one of the diagnostic criterias with schizophrenia is a resistance to medication. They don't like it. Right. And so getting them to stay on it. So, you know, one of the things that we will always do at the mission is is we're going to love people. We're going to be close to them. Um, when I'm at the mission and I pull in and somebody's there getting some food, Greg is real quick to call them by name. That's great. You know, one of the most valuable things in the world is when somebody remembers your name, they look you in the eye and they're glad to see you. Mm-hmm. And even if you're mentally ill and you're frightened and you're or you're confused... You know, knowing that somebody cares. There's right. a really great book, the same kind of different as me, about yeah. a man that was very mentally ill in, the, uh, in Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and the experience of a family trying to reach this really profoundly broken man who was traumatized, who had been through all kinds of things. And what you had a mission, the Fort Worth a rescue mission. You had families and churches. You had all kinds of professionals coming together to, ri- to rescue one man but it was over the course of time. And so there are no quick and easy answers. A lot of the government solution oftentimes has been for the chronically mentally ill Mm -hmm. to do a housing first model where we put them in an apartment or we give them a place to live. And that's something that a public voucher can be done through, through government agencies. But what governments aren't equipped to do no government anywhere is equipped to love people and connect with people and their brokenness and their hurt. That's a good of point. Of. Great point. Great point. They can point, yeah. they can apply resources right. by the billions and maybe even trillions, right. but they can't love a broken man or woman. Right. And what we can do is we can do that. Right. You know, saying, hey, how are you doing today? And if somebody's – if it's concerning, call. Call the mm-hmm. law enforcement and say, hey, I've got somebody. And, you know, when you have a um, – We expect our elected officials, our sheriff and our police chief, to to really advocate, let's not fill our jails with people. Let's let's get lives transformed. And so it's about, you know, if a criminal needs to be arrested, great, I'm glad there is a jail. Mm -hmm. But uh, some of those frightening people, we want to reach them, get them the resources to get in housing and then get a medical attention, and then have the connection that we can all make. So mm-hmm. everybody has to do their part. I wish there was one easy answer. I could say, well, there's this new product. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, there is right. no new product.
0: Yeah, you, you know, there, um, and that, that's, that's, that's important, you're right, because government is government. You're not going to do it, but it's your local. It's like uh, your local television station can only provide that local touch and local mm-hmm. story. Right. Uh, opposed to a national network station is not going to get local. It's a right. local, local, local. So Valley Rescue Mission in your town or your village can get to that personal touch of love and right. caring. And it does speak volumes. I know when I uh, will talk to somebody who's homeless, they get tickled. And I, mm-hmm. I'm tickled. I mean, I, and I let them know how honored I am that they would even know. I mean, they must be watching on TV or something. And, and to me, that's, that's the biggest compliment ever. I mean, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes there's been... I, I've been fortunate. I think there's been a few times that it was very hard. I couldn't even converse with anyone. I mean, you could tell right. they were kind of combative, so exactly. I had to try to get myself out of that mm-hmm. situation. But, but there was a woman who came by our, our station here not too long ago, and we believe she had driven from, like, Vermont. She had no shoes on her feet. She had her stuff in the back. The plates are right. I don't think she was lying that she came this far, said her husband was cheating on her or something. She left, and she wasn't on her medication, and no one would listen to her. And I heard that. And I tried everything we can do. We even call. We were at the same time while I'm stalling her. I said somebody needs to get her some help. I mean, right. she was. I was worried about um, her driving maybe erratically, or she, like right. you said, hurting herself. Right. So we were doing it, and it was just too late. But the, I'm sure that night, I always wonder if the police officer finally took a description of the car. I said she's going to be somewhere in this ten block area because the time he got there, I go, she just left somewhere in here. So they just put it out on the radio, and I'm sure right. maybe they did. I go, she's not she's just very, very upset and distraught. She said, I have gone here, I've gone there, and no one listened to me. Mm-hmm. Now, was, was she, you know, making this up, or did she think of it in her head, or did she truly go somewhere? something goes, she's crazy, just let her go. And I, I think something was really going on. And I really believe she had driven a <laughs> distance. We we, we kind of got that, all of us that were out there. We had a local security guard out here too. So, But taking that time to talk to her, mm-hmm. letting her listen, because there were young kids didn't didn't understand it that went out first. That's how we heard about it. And they were shaken because they didn't know how to deal right. with her. But I, you know, I was a little bit more mature, been around this stuff a little while. I took the time to just listen to her. And I mm-hmm. think that worked for me. I go, so what is it you're thinking? I'm not going to get combative and say, you're great. You don't know what you're talking about. That's not true. I said, no, I hear you. I said, so that, I said, well, that's terrible. That he did that to you, you know, her husband. I go, well, why, what can you do? What, what do we need to do for you? And then, then when I knew she kept coming back to the same thing. Um, you I need this, that, and the other. I go, Did you need medicine? Are you okay? No, I don't need medicine and it, you know, so it kinda got mm-hmm. to the point where I was going in a big circle. But anything I could do to stall to get her help. It you know, and hopefully it helped. I mean I hope it did, because it was later.
1: Is you that did a, you did a lot of good things there. You okay. made sure you were safe, you made sure she was safe. Right. And you ask her what her needs are. You can't talk if somebody's <coughs> delusional, yeah. You can't talk talk out of being right. delusional. Correct. I can't. Yeah. You, know, yeah. right. you know, I can't just oh, wow, I wish I had heard that before. Yeah. I, I'll stop having those crazy thoughts. Sure. That doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so just connecting with them. You know, uh, one of those things when somebody is really mentally ill, uh, you know, I'll say, hey, you okay? And I, I you know, just, at a distance, but trying to be, sa- I reach out to them, try to give them some connection or touch. That I- I- If they don't want to be around you, if they're frightened, you know, COVID has made them a lot of – the sure. chronically mentally ill are very frightened. Sure. Yeah, and it's it. And it's interesting. People on the streets have a, tend to have a very robust immune system. Yes. And when COVID first hit, the, one of the original government predictions was that about 50,000 homeless people would die of COVID. Um, this last spring, uh, after over a year of tracking, about 340 people in America that were homeless had died of COVID. That's – they're the one of the most resilient populations because they have a robust immune system. Mm-hmm. Ex- and so uh,
0: that's very. Remember this this clip of the thing. This is that's very 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 interesting, because that says a lot. I mean, right. I was research, and I'm not digressing for a minute, but you would think that uh, homelessness or you know, health, poor health, not nutritionally, they're not valued or whatever. But because they are, they might be in camps together. They're outdoors more too, and the outdoor right. factor.
1: With, with the sunlight, you're getting sunlight. D3 levels, a right. high like D, D, a yep. therapeutic D3 level above uh, about 60 in the 60 to 100 range. People don't get COVID, and they, or if they do, they don't have any of the really profound symptoms when they have a higher D3 level. And, you know, one of the things we did in the last mission I worked with is we got a voluntary uh, supp- a vitamin supplement regimen with D3, K2, mm. zinc, um, and vitamin C, And we stopped having any incidents of the employees or people in our care um, getting sick because we were proactively addressing their immune system and strengthening their own capacity to deal with this long before they came up with a vaccine. We were preventing people from getting sick. That wasn't said enough.
0: I I really believe that that, that was something that, not saying that nobody didn't, but that wasn't the push. There was never an emphasis on that. And, you know, to see that or look at that, and I think that's remarkable new data, you know, seeing that someone who's more outdoors more frequently, which should have been should have been touted more and more about take care of yourself first, maybe do some exercise, get outdoors, you know, get natural vitamin D production going and and take these supplements that can help. And I think we, we, a lot of people miss that because they thought this is the only, this is the only way you can do it And without getting into the, the Joe Rogan uh, podcast (laughs) and everything else and getting, getting, uh, you know, but, but I, I totally agree with that because I personally, I've done that. And I think even when I had COVID last December, you know, although it took me about eight days to get over it and the exhaustion was profound that I've ever, I have not felt anything like that that I can ever remember in my life, you know? And so uh, that, that would make, a big difference so don't you know it's it's yep. I, it totally makes sense it totally makes sense and speaking of nutrition then since you're saying that so what would be the problem is they do have a robust immune system in a sense but nutritionally what's mm-hmm. lacking for those who are homeless or mentally ill that are out in the streets
1: well healthy good quality food is always you know fresh food um, they tend to eat a lot of canned stuff a lot of breads a lot of Starchy, uh, the stuff that, you know, if you were trying to lose weight and get in shape, your, your nutritionist mm-hmm. or doctor would say, don't do this. Well, they right. do that. They're more likely to eat junk, and they eat what's available. And so when we serve food um, this afternoon, tomorrow, every day, we're going to be serving food at the Mission. And we want to serve healthy fia- food. You're going to have pro- a balanced meal, protein, Absolutely. vegetables. If You can have fresh fruit. I was in the, in the dining room a uh, couple of days ago. And, you know, you have a kid who's a fussy little boy. Yeah, yeah, how do you do and that? He, that's and he's, but he's chowing on this apple. Okay, well, that's good, fresh, healthy, live food that's yeah. going to be good for his system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, and so we want to give them as much good quality stuff as we can. That's why when people donate to us, the non-perishable stuff is great to be able to send home to a family. To but we always want to have fresh food as well. And so we buy those things, uh, for, you know, and, It's important to supplement what we're being given at our property out in Hamilton County, or in uh, Hamilton and Harris County, Mm -hmm. we'll grow some fresh food out there as well. Um, The program I came from, our goal was to produce about 70% of the food that we would uh, be giving out and we would be consuming within our mission. And that was a couple of hundred thousand meals a a year that we were producing 60 to 70% of our own food because it would be fresh, and local and the healthiest possible food to get people healthy and strong. And that helps with brain capacity, Mm -hmm. people who are struggling and are trying to get their lives back together, the healthier they're eating when they're exercising, they're getting fresh air, they're finding purpose, they're connecting. You know, we try to get people that come to the mission, helping out a little bit instead of just serving them. Hey, could you help me with this? When they do a little bit, they feel better about themselves. Like, like you or I would, if we go and you, you go help somebody you feel like I did my job today. Right. Um, you know, the uh, and Boy Scouts, that, that everybody knows be prepared, but the mm-hmm. ca- Scout slogan, I think it was, was do a good turn daily. And every day to try to, how can I help somebody? Yes. And we want our, pe- you know, we want the people in our mission to have the joy of giving back too. You
0: know, right. there's there, I, 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 I love that. I know Greg, Greg's lighting up there on that because you said that. And yes, I, I remember talking to Greg too. I go, Greg, why do you do this? And you know, you were saying the same thing. There's something in you how passionate you are about that. Because selfishly, there's something there. It it does that reward comes back to you. Now speaking spiritually, it almost sounds Mm -hmm. like both you guys are pastors in a sense. You know, when you see people in your capacity, you guys are very much in the space of of what you know good Christians should do, right? Right. And and being being in that space, so it, it does do something. If your psychological aspect is good, if your health and fitness you do feel more empowered. You feel like mm-hmm. doing this. It always goes back no matter what program I do. If it's somebody who's a boxer talking about changing their life, doing this, or just a CrossFit person or whatever it may be, a walk a day or whatever it may be. But to get people to shift in that, in that realm could really make the difference to getting back on track in their lives. But we got to get them there mentally and physically. I'm, just, I'm glad yeah. that
2: he mentioned that, you know, I literally, uh, there was an individual, uh, an older male who came to, uh, the mission specifically for loaves and fishes, that three o'clock meal that we serve the community six days a week. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with him, uh, and in the conversation. I was like, well, look, man, you know, you're feeding today. I said, but one day I'm gonna have you behind the line serving food. Yes. I just made that, yes. you know, and I, actually I was being a little facetious, yeah. you know, with him, but guess what? He was like, well, I would love to do something like that. No one has ever asked me to do that before. And he serves, you know, he may not be there today. I mean, he doesn't c- necessarily come every day, but here's an individual who was on the receiving end of loaves and fishes, coming literally coming to us with the need. And now is a volunteer serving mm-hmm. those individuals who come, you know, for our right. loaves and fishes. So that's you know, it's beautiful to hear. Yes, you know, yes. Uh, you know, Van, you know, say those words because I I truly believe that it that it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that we see that it works. You know, we may not necessarily. Uh, know where the inspiration or where the the unction comes to to make that that sort of offering to someone, uh, but it works when it actually happens, you know. And so this individual, and I'm hoping that he's there today because so when I see him, I'm say, man, I talked about you today on the podcast. Yeah. You know, uh, it ju- it just encouraged him. It's yeah, great. And he he comes in, he smiles. You know, it's it's just a different glow on his face as he is serving, even though it's. I'll say this, is everything right in his life? No. Is everything right in my life in terms of, you know, do I have everything that I want and or need? Do we all do? No, Uh but we do what we can, you know, when, and when we can do it and to see the glow in his face when he is giving a tray to a little kid or to an older lady or to a man who is living on the street or whatever, the glow that, uh, that is on his face lets me know that he's happy doing that, whether he actually says the words or not, I can see the change that is happening even in his life right
0: now. That's 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 a great that's a great story that you can really visualize that. It's like with anything, as a child, when you when you give them a responsibility, what a difference it makes. Right. Even teenage kids at home, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. they would get mad at it, but a little discipline and you give them mm-hmm. something, then right. that child or whatever, they feel like, okay, I can do this now and I'm empowered and, and you get more responsibility. Absolutely. And then, and then your, your life changes right in front of you. You kind of earlier were talking about like kind of a 30-day plan in a community. So getting back to Valley Rescue Mission and how maybe you're, you know, kind of inquiring with public and private entities and trying to figure out, okay, you know, where are the needs? Where are the gaps? How do you fill the gaps? That kind of thing. What you have you discovered so far? Because I wonder how many other cities are like ours. I'm sure they're very – I think city by city is probably similar, except you, know, you can't compare New York to us. But there's, there's, some, there's some things that are synonymous – what are those gaps that you've been seeing? And I know it's only – I'm looking at my watch. Like it's only been a couple weeks. But wh- what are the gaps – I know I can start with you that you've seen. And then, Greg, you right. tell us, like, gosh, this is what we really – these are the gaps I didn't even realize. I'm just curious, like, that you've heard. So, or c- if you can share them with us.
1: Yeah, well, the, I mean, first off, we have a very generous community. And you have a lot of people who are very connected with their community. People love Columbus. And so people love this area Phoenix City across the river from where we mm-hmm. sit today. They love their community, mm-hmm. and so I, I've got to figure out where I'm going to live eventually, and yeah. uh, where I'm going to be having Alabama plates or Georgia plates. But one, yeah. you know, but people love their community, and so that connection is really, really big here. And yeah. so w- we don't compare as well to New York City because people, um, it's so big you can be anonymous there. Here, you matter, and you can have a big impact in this community. And so that's the exciting part. What I'm hearing already is there, you know, the short-term stabilization for the homeless. Um, During COVID, a lot of, all around the country, the biggest rescue mission in America is in Los Angeles. And the city of Los Angeles came in and said, okay, you need to close half your beds because you need better social distancing in the dorms. And so, so all over America... Um, we know that there's a shortage of bed space. And with winter coming, and uh, as a Floridian, it feels like winter is here. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so
0: we had frost uh, uh, on I this particular know. day
1: of this podcast. My, it yeah. was crunching when I walked yes. on the grass. Yeah. That doesn't happen <laughs> true, in southwest true, Florida. Yeah, yeah. true 32F so. there. you right. <laughs> so I
0: saw you had on a trench coat the other I was do. I do. <laughs> I've
1: got my heavy big wool coat, and I'm uh, like, it's in play. the car right now. You so. know,
0: you know, yeah. And, you're, and this isn't even that far north latitude. Imagine if we're even farther north for those right. those communities that have right. the homeless and have to bed separate and everything else. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had
2: to I had to throw uh, that in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, though I'll be harassed.
1: Oh, but but you, I, so I, have, you, I have multiple layers, I- if not on me in the back seat of my this, car right but now. This Yankee so.
0: wears shorts all year round. So yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, I got shorts, shorts all year round. That's yeah. Right yeah. As I can. Well,
1: when I see yeah. the shorts, we go back yeah. to the mental illness conversation. Oh, People would agree with you too. They say, Bob. Yeah,
0: something about Bobby's not completely
1: on there. He's like, he's got something. But, you know, we, um, but certainly the, the bed space, the, the capacity to really reach out. Um, I do think that there's some healing yeah. that needs to happen in every community in America. We've become such a fragmented country. Nobody likes anybody anymore. And I come to Columbus, and I'm like, why wouldn't people just love everybody? I mean, well, these yeah. are great people yeah. here. right? And yet we need to really make sure we're crossing those lines, um, red and blue and, yes. you know, the poor and wealthy. And at, we need to be in it together, and we need to be yeah. Americans again. Yeah. I and agree so one of the ways we do that is we mobilize a whole community about what can we do to meet a specific need. You know, when something like 9-11 happens and there's this big tragic event, All of us are Americans all of a sudden. And then we start fragmenting. Yes. Well, now with winter coming and the needs on our streets and we see so many people hurting, we can unite as a community. And we can be an example to each other that we can come together. So uh, part of my job, I always think of my number one job as being a dad. Mm -hmm. And I represent the people that I serve. I get to be a dad to to the mission. And so I see people that really, they need resources. They we talk about they need opportunities to serve and to be engaged they need we want to get them in into jobs that they can function in and and succeed in so it's really about as a father you know I raised my kids uh, four boys and we didn't do everything for them we challenged them to find uh, joy and work that they enjoyed and and find purpose and meaning in that and so we really work to help them grow to become Men of character uh, ha- find faith, find family, find purpose. All of those things are really needed by the homeless here, and we have a great community that's going to do that. I think we're going to really address the the bed space issue. I think we're going to probably um, come together with other not for profits and really come with a strategy on how can we really aggressively target areas. If the down by the river walk, you know, uh, some communities. Uh, law enforcement and agencies like ours will really do a proactive outreach to that, those people on the fringes to say, it's bad weather, let's get you someplace safe tonight. Yes, right. yes, And getting them someplace safe allows us then to transition them into connecting with maybe mental health services, with housing services, with all kinds of things. So we're, we're really going to coordinate things.
0: Yeah. You know what's tough too, and, and, and just dr- drifting off to of this, because somebody may be asking, you know, what about those who are potentially dangerous to society. How, what is the ratio of that to those? And I see dangerous. Somebody who might be a, a former convict or somebody who mm-hmm. might be, have a heavy criminal past that shouldn't be out there, but kind of mixing with the homeless and kind of, you know, maybe in incognito in a way, but then we also have the sexual offenders. I know that are right. in one particular camp that are p- police. It's hard. To, it's hard to police, but they're, but they, we've got to care for them too. Yeah. I mean, they're humans. You can't just, they have a sexual addictions like a drug addiction and they may, v- they very well be are, uh, really dangerous to society. How do we, wow. How well, do, yeah, well, Bob, you problem. know, nationally,
1: yeah. we know for, for sure that yeah. the population that is at greatest risk of violence, of being assaulted, of being sexually assaulted, of being killed, of being beaten and robbed is the homeless population. Many of us are fearful of them, Say, but okay. th- they're actually yeah. the most vulnerable people in our community. Okay. Um in southwest Florida, where I moved from, the uh, only unsolved serial killer case is somebody's killed eight homeless people in that area. See, and and it's like pro- the and Seattle
0: killer back in the 80s. Uh, it was right, prostitutes. Uh, they figure, well, they won't be missed. You a know, and a yeah, man yeah. or yeah. woman
1: on the streets yeah. that that doesn't have connections, they're vulnerable. And so they can be preyed upon. And certainly you. there yeah. can be a camp where there's a dangerous person. Well, um, between that other person and a camp, and that dangerous person that's living there, the, the best target is that other uh, their homeless person. And so they're preyed upon. We want safety for them. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't turn a blind, naive eye to the fact that there may be some bad people in there. And that's where law enforcement, uh, you know, that's where we're glad there is a jail. When we can identify somebody and protect people and, and get somebody locked up who needs to be, that's that's what we need to do. And so I'm I'm real quick. I used to work for our sheriff's office. Okay. So I'm... Um, I was the chaplain in the jails. And okay. so I was on many s- homicide scenes and suicide scenes. And, you know, the homeless are most likely to commit suicide of anybody in our population. And so they die an isolated and lonely life sometimes. And so, and so um, we want to connect with them and make sure they're safe. Uh, most of them, even the chronically mentally ill, um, they want to be left alone sometimes. And so... They're not trying to hurt somebody. They're just trying to to get by, gotcha. and so we want to connect with them. Food's one of the ways to connect. You know, mm-hmm. it, no matter how frightened you are, eventually you get hungry. Yeah. And so some good smelling food. I was walking through the kitchen; it's smelling pretty good this morning. I yeah, know. Yes. Yes, so yes. I can <laughs> imagine you guys getting ready for
0: Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. And taking in those donations for mm-hmm. turkeys and I'm things going. like that. And I know you guys always appreciate that. And and speaking of which, but thanks for adding that perspective to that because that's. Kind of what when when I hear people, it's that fear, the fear. And if you approach, and I know I've mm-hmm. talked to Greg mm-hmm. about this before, Greg, if somebody approaches you, you know they want some money, you know. Well, can I feed you? That, that that's my approach, and and it seems to be more effective mm-hmm. lately. Instead of get money, say, look, let me. Are you hungry? I'll go get you something. Sometimes right. I've literally gone to get them something, and they're gone. Right. I like yeah. I bought a meal, then I'll find something and give it to them. But but many times they will stand there and they're like, Ugh oh, you know, and then sometimes they're very, oh, thank you. It, it may be a little sense of pride. You know, they don't feel like right. they want to go in the kitchen with other people, could you know, to get a meal. But, you know, you don't want to be that person judge and jury trying to decide you go down to the thing and go get fed. You know, you know I'm like, I shouldn't have to feed you but doing that mm-hmm. is okay. I mean, it, yeah. I, I think so.
1: I, I'll i tell you, if I could digress, I'll yeah, tell you go one. go ahead. Let's one, digress for a second. One, eh? one, one, <laughs> so one, As I sit back in my chair. <laughs> one event that changed my yeah. life um, many, many years ago when I was six years old, um, we were traveling north fr- uh, from Florida to visit relatives in North Carolina and we stopped on the way t- at an Arby's. Arby's used to have those concrete tables outside. Oh, they didn't yes, have it. I do remember. You know, and they had the big aluminum <laughs> umbrella type thing. <laughs> yes. So we were stopping there to get a sandwich for for lunch, and a homeless man came up to us, and he asked my dad for a quarter so he could get uh, some a cup of coffee. And, you don't know how long ago you got to yeah, take sure. a, a mortgage out to I get know. a cup C- of C- coffee. Can you imagine now. that? So I know, so I know. So my he asked my dad for a quarter, and my dad, you know, myself, my mom, my dad, and my sisters, and he said, "Well, I, I won't give you any money because I, I'm afraid you'll just go get a beer. But I'd like to invite you to have lunch with my family." And so I was six. I had a seven-year-old sister, and I had a sixteen-year-old sister there. That's great, how you remember. So this. the the. My little sister and I—we, the coolest thing in the world—we were like, "Hey, we get to have lunch with a bum. This is so cool!" (laughs) You know, we were—we thought, you know, we were not politically correct or not, but this was—we were talking to this guy and we're sitting there having a roast beef sandwich, and on the way out of there, uh, my um, my teenage sister was so mad at my dad for having to sit down and have a meal with a homeless guy. How could you do that? You know, they could have hurt the kids and he could have, you know, what if somebody saw us, you know, we were only 500 miles from our home and, you know, somebody might've seen us there. So being a teenager and my dad's, you know, one of the only time I ever saw him stern, he said, you know, you need to just stop my, and I didn't know this at the time. My dad shared his older brother died on the streets, had gotten out of prison, had made, had, became an alcoholic committed a crime went to prison got out and caught pneumonia on the streets and died and my dad said, you know the greatest privilege we have is to show this man that may have nobody that will care about him today that we cared Mm -hmm. and i i hope in my my brother's last days somebody told him they loved him and so we shared a plate with that guy that changed the course of my life I don't know what it did for that homeless man. It's amazing, but that's more than fifty years ago, Mm -hmm. and I remember like it it was yesterday. Um, And that changed the direction of my life at that moment because I saw the value of this man that most six-year-old boys didn't get to see. Right, and it changed everything. And I, you know, when we're having people listen to a podcast like this, you know, showing we care changes our families. The, think about your kids, my kids, are the young people in our community to see that we're a nation that doesn't just get into our corners and fight with each other, but we're going to care about the less fortunate. Changes everything.
0: That's that, that's profound. That, that, boy, does that really resonate? Doesn't it? Absolutely. That's a, that's a great that's a great story. I, I um, you know, I ca- I can totally see how certain small things in your life, when you give back or whatever you do. I, I told the story before when. You know, the Labor Day telethon would come around back in the days of Jerry Lewis and mm-hmm. the traditional sit around the couch all weekend long. It's all about Labor Day weekend and the mm-hmm. muscular dystrophy association. And I remember one time I picked up the phone, saw the number on there and I just said 10 bucks. I remember $10. <laughs> well, I did it on the phone. Well, they called back to kind of back in those days. I think they had people that knew it was a young kid on the phone and said, see if this is credible. And my mom was, interested. She goes, "Well, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I don't know what it was. It was me. But I remember that. But I, I always felt that moment felt good. And then I found out later, my dad gave through where he worked at the Ford plant in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, that. But it, but it, those moments to give or share or whatever would make make a mm-hmm. world of difference. I have to say, there's times when people do receive it well when you give them a meal. And I have where some people came up mm-hmm. in a parking lot right. or church, and I went right across the street to McDonald's or whatever it may be, and give them something. It, it felt good, even a lot of times some of them are not aware and they may mm-hmm. not say thank you to you or whatever, but you're right. It changes that course. You know, humanity is still human there and we do good things cause we do care. There are people out there that care for you and you're right. You don't know where that, that gentleman ended up or what direction he right. went into. But like your dad said, you know, who would ever imagine that his own brother and just, if you knew somebody cared for him at the very end, that's, that, that, that's, that's more mm-hmm. valuable than anything else. But I, um, I do know one time I did I had a police officer friend of mine uh, I was at a gas station and he opened the door and helped himself in my other door <laughs> in the car. Mm-hmm. He, we got in there and he said, look, I had killed someone before. <laughs> it always on, only happens to me. I'm, I'm telling you, I can tell you some stories, but again, and I didn't act any, I go, well, I, I say, okay, well, what, what did you do? Did you do time or wh- what happened? He goes, well, I did, but I'm out right now. And he goes, some days I feel like I want to do that again. I go, well, you need it. Right, get some medicine or get some help. Right? You know, I was trying to act like you're. you're not mm-hmm. going to try to scare me into giving you a hundred bucks. I started realizing. I go, I wonder if he's full of baloney. Probably, I'm thinking because I don't think anybody, but maybe not. And this was the police officer. He goes, Bob, why would you even do that? You should have better <laughs> walk away. But I go. There was an Arb You said Arby's, which is funny. It was downtown, and I said, okay, I'll go right across the street. He goes, I'm just sorry, you're hungry? And I said, it's good. So we went right across the street, not realizing I had my gun in the glove compartment. I said, whatever you do, please don't open that glove compartment. because, <laughs> like, or oh, I don't want to reach over your, your thing. But I pulled up in there, gave it to him, had a conversation with him. And finally, in a way where he thought, I just got the, the you know, I said, hey, look, I got to go back to work because I got to make a living right now. But it was a nice meeting you. I go, you don't want to see yourself out. But I said, uh, we'll talk to you soon. I said, I hope the next time I see you that you're not feeling this anymore. I said, you feel, and he goes, okay, all right, all right. And he he said, thanks man. And he, and he walked out. So I put myself in a weird position like that. We don't want to do something like that. I'm just saying to that point, what your dad did was open, but there's an intuition. I see Greg's going to step in. There's some gut feeling you have. And I do agree with that. Go ahead. I I mean,
2: I do believe uh, a couple of things. One, definitely we, we have this gut feeling or, or whatever it may be that, can warn you you know in certain situations and he and the guy very well may have been baloney as well, but um I don't know i def- I definitely don't want to over spiritualize this moment, but we're either planting or watering you know no, this we're, is we're, good we're, do we're, uh, this is what I want you to
0: be be who you are, yeah when,
2: when we meet people, you know, and I haven't always had the mindset that I have today um and i you know he was a a, uh, a chaplain at a, at a at a jail facility. I used to be a correctional officer, and so there's a certain awareness. I, I I literally like walk around with my head on a swivel, you know, like the little bobbleheads. That, that was <laughs> <the> yeah, <laughs> I see that yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that that's literally how I live my life now, having experience. Sure. you know, working inside a facility. You know, when I go to a restaurant, my back cannot be by the door. I mean, I can't have my back against the door. sure. Uh, so I have to see, I have to observe. So when we meet people, you know, observing, I'm not, I'm not, I don't necessarily judge, but I'm definitely observing. And so when we meet people, most certainly, you know, observe, you know, if a few moments into a conversation, as you alluded to earlier or earlier, can kind of let, let you know, you know, if, if that individual, uh, is full of it or if that individual has an ulterior motive, if that individual just quite honestly just needs someone to talk to, someone to listen to them at that particular moment, being aware of those resources, as I mentioned earlier. But definitely for us as Christians, I mean, we're either planting or watering. Even in that moment when that individual, you know, hopped into your car, when Mm -hmm. his father, you know, invited that homeless man to eat lunch with him, like even though his father doesn't know, or didn't know at that moment if he was planting a seed or watering a seed that had already been planted. You didn't know by offering the meal there at Arby's yourself if you were planting or watering that seed as well. I don't know from day to day if I'm planting or watering. Mm -hmm. I just want to be authentic in that moment that I have an interaction with someone because you don't know if just that brief moment, can make someone's day. It could, it could change the trajectory of their life. You know, it could point them in a different direction. It can, it can open up their eyes and give a different perspective. I mentioned earlier about the volunteer, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he came initially for help. He came initially for food, you know. And, I honestly, I was just being funny with him when I said, i will get you back there, you know. But in that moment, mm-hmm. it meant. Didn't realize. It, I didn't realize you were at that moment I spoke something into and mm-hmm. that, honestly, was already there because he – Oh, really I would love right. to do that you know yeah. and so mm-hmm. he now serves there at, at the uh, at the mission so we're either planting or watering so when we meet people I just wanted us to keep that in our in our minds okay. you know when you meet people whether it be on the riverwalk or whether it be you know I, I, the last time I was here I mentioned about a gentleman I met in um, in North Columbus you know who initially asked for help but it, it didn't take I don't know less than a minute into that conversation. When I offered help, he walked away. You know, he was not interested in whatsoever in help. He, wanted, he just mm-hmm. wanted, you know, to scam me yeah, out right. of some money. All right. But God puts that in us. If I can say that, you I mean, no, absolutely. God, no, I mean, this, God, is, this is, this God is God, this is, this God right. puts that, that, that right. feeling that we get, right. That, uh, that unction, that gut feeling, he puts that mm-hmm. in us for a reason to protect us, to help us out, to help us to know, even in, in particular times, if he's speaking through us to someone. So I don't want us to lose sight of that. We're I'm either glad planting, that. Uh, mm-hmm. planting a seed or watering a seed that's already been planted. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm grateful to have an organization to actually work for an organization where every single day I have the ability, you know, to plant or water. That's pretty cool. Very you spiritual. Know?
0: And anybody who's listening to this, um, you know, I- even if you're not in your faith or walking in faith or, or, or mm-hmm. doing what Christ has done with right. his disciples, you're and still if you, planning you're watering. still planting your water. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and I appreciate that. And I, I would say a big amen to that, what you're saying. And I, and I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think it almost takes that approach. If anybody hasn't been in that space or if you're even listening, you know, I know people want to, you, you can, you know, freedom of religion and do whatever you mm-hmm. want. But there's something great about what you two are doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a chaplain, you know, you're speaking very much in the, the the right space of what God wants. And, you know, if you, if you trust and believe in him and, uh, and then his son was here and what he taught us to do. And the great thing about that is too, I even find myself sometimes even uttering a prayer internally mm-hmm. for protection. When you right. said that I, in that moment, I, I do remember when you just said, made me remember now because mm-hmm. right. I, I felt there was a feeling my hair stood up just a little wee mm-hmm. bit. And I don't know if I would have shown signs of not, if somebody who wasn't very, and here's, let me just put it this way. If somebody who probably was, didn't have a really f- strong faith, I, I feel mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still growing. I feel I do. I felt s- strong enough that I could encounter that situation. I felt, never felt fearful at that moment until he started telling about the murdering and what he did. Gave me a little bit, but I wasn't really sure, but I didn't act like, but I felt like I had that inner strength. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit protect uh-huh. me. I'll say yep. that. Right. And, you know, and I think, for those people are more the waterers and people like that because they're not fearful. But if you can get into that, get into your faith, what a difference you can make when it comes to this, to the mission right. of what you guys do. We can all be those, those stewards and, and uh, those who want to really help provide something good for, for our community. And for those who are in most in need. Yeah.
1: It's real easy to, to pick at the easy target, sometimes with social media and all the bad stuff that happens and, You know, if we focus so much on what uh, some tragedy somewhere, Mm -hmm. we'll start living a fearful, disengaged life. Mm -hmm. And our life gets smaller. We're more afraid and we're protecting ourselves and we're withdrawing into our shell. And before long, we find that our fear has made us a prisoner. Mm. Yes. And so my faith compels me to engage the world. We were just my wife and I um, this this past summer spent a good bit of time in South Sudan one of the worst, oh, most yeah. violent places on I earth. earth. Yeah. You know, you you had to leave a, a whole f- proof of life packet back with your family so questions could True. be asked in case you're kidnapped. And while we were there, there were uh, other foreigners who were kidnapped and, and murdered. And the civil war broke out in part of South Sudan oh. while we were there. And you know, the whole time I was at perfect peace because I knew several things. One, I knew who I was. I knew who God was. I was like like Greg, I've, I've been raised around enough stuff that my head's on a swivel and I'm watching everything, but I, I was not at fear. And we were in a, at a camp at one point with people who had literally attacked another village and had killed several hundred people. Wow. And we were, and we were there with these people who were angry and violent and to present the love of Christ and to be at peace and just, you know, and I was okay with who I was and where I was and, um, my, my sisters, again, were a little anxious about that and because they, yeah. they were the ones that were going to get the call if it did go wrong. But the truth is we were okay, but I wasn't going to live in fear. I knew that there were people that needed our help. We could go there and we could make a difference. And it, I could be at perfect peace. And, you know, there's a verse in Scripture that says that perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. And that perfect love comes from God. But when, I, when God gives me a love for those around me, I don't walk in fear and anxiety about that and i may see somebody that's a little spooky and a little scary and you talk about praying well, there's oftentimes something is going on i pray all the time it, you know when you're when you run a something like valley rescue mission we're praying with, we'll meet the budget we'll have yeah. uh, money for payroll that the yeah. you know you sign up you prepare food are we gonna have i'm constantly and god always is there to meet my needs meet the needs of the mission because as much as we have a community that cares we also represent a God that cares and that's a really wonderful thing and you know that encourages those people that are reaching out to us whether they're reaching out as donors or they're coming in for a plate of food this afternoon to know that we are there in courage and in faith Mm -hmm. and that we're we're at peace with whatever's going on.
0: And you can you can sense that I mean and do you think a lot of your Folks in a community that are, are at need, do you find them? It does uh, that they're lacking that in their their lives. Do you think, or is it? Do you think it's it's just un- unfortunate situations mainly, or who, who's the majority? Because I you find a lot of, I I notice a lot, even the ones I do converse with. God bless you, Sonia. And you know whether it's mm-hmm. just empty words or not. I, I mean, I believe, like you said, it's not my place to realize, but I, it seems like they they're very happy in their in in that aspect of their life. I'll, albeit they or maybe it's, it's mental illness and they can't help it or physical disability, mental disability, whatever it may be or none. And, but it, or the, the gambling attic in Las Vegas mm-hmm. at the spaghetti bowl interchange of I-15 and U S 93 in Nevada. where I remember sitting down there and all these talk to a guy as normal as you and I, I mean, and then at the very end, he, he was talking about how his family's gone, lost his house, mm-hmm. everything. He came here, literally gambled it all away. His wife left, kids left. He has no idea where they're at. And at the very end of it, he goes, uh, He'll say, thanks for listening. And he goes, do you have, do you have just 10 bucks? Cause I, I just, I just think if I could get one more time, I, it was unbelievable. Very normal conversation went right mm-hmm. back to that, but he did have a lot of reference to and reverence mm-hmm. to God. I heard mm-hmm. that in the same equation, he was struggling and he right. was close to it. And we, that's just human That's being right. human. But I, I sense there, it, it, and you come in and you can fill that gap. Maybe right. that's the gap that's that we're talking about gaps, right. and that mm-hmm. part of the gap, when you kind of fill it a little bit you're showing your faith through your, your action and they they're almost there, you know, hopefully seal the deal or yeah. plant the seed. There's
1: a, a university in upstate New York that back in the seventies started looking at the profile of who was addicted, who was homeless and all of that. And they found, they started identifying 10 categories of adverse childhood experiences. Okay. The breakup and the disintegration of the family. Most of the people, um, you know, uh, who are, uh, isolated and alone, and it doesn't mean everybody who goes through a divorce or anything like that. All all those conditions are common, but we have people who have been sexually, physically traumatized. They've been neglected. They've been alone in the world, and those people are going to struggle sometimes to have a connection with God, but they still have that God-shaped void, Mm -hmm. and they're looking for an answer, and so their view may be uh, skewed by that, Uh, by their childhood experiences. Where was God when I was going through this trauma? When my, you know, if there's mental health issues in the family, if there's domestic violence, if there's incarceration and there's addiction, and all of those things make somebody more likely to end up alone and isolated, not just from society, but from God. And so I can't tell them about a God that they can't see unless they can see there's love on my face. Right. And unless oh, that's perfect, yeah, that's and great. And so that's to. what I try to do. Yeah. Is can you see that I care about you? And, and I think
0: that's you're right in the right right space. I mean, that's that's fantastic. You both, mm-hmm. I know you both are. Greg, you were gonna well, jump out. There's something to well, hit you there. Uh,
2: well, I was just gonna say, like even f- for me personally, you know, um, when I f- literally first came to the mission, broken, like completely broken. I think that we, uh, we need to understand that all of us whether we want to admit it or not, there is an element in, in every man, every woman that is a little bit broken, you know? And, um, and I know when I first started working at the mission, I completely fit that bill. There was something broken in me completely. You know, even though I was raised in church, I was raised in faith the whole nine yards at that particular time. When I came to work at the mission, I really didn't trust church folk. I didn't trust i mean that but that was based on my own personal experience that that I had gone through a few sure. years a few years uh back, and I was definitely completely in a broken in a, in a broken place and but being here at the mission uh has helped to even recalibrate me the man- a man that's sitting the man that's sitting at this table awesome. talking to you bob
0: yeah get I'm just but it's funny' cause when I, when i but you you're you're right i mean we do i, I had one uh w- with uh, as a Catholic kid growing up in mm-hmm. and a lot of traditions, now we're working on something and working on getting you know at that point when you you make your um you know your final stages of making your commitment mm-hmm. to God right. and you're moving on, and there was a priest who was asking me more about money at the at the time and why wasn't my parents going to church? I'm like, why are we making it about them? They were divorced, and at that time, this is true. It's not mm-hmm. anymore. The Catholic Church, if you were divorced, you weren't going to get communion, which right. is absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. And I'll say that. And there's no right theologian now or anybody who would, would, they would agree. That was ridiculous. It was a crazy time. Even any pastor you talk to today, priest in a, in a church would say that's not what we do anymore, but that was true once upon a time. So I was really put off by that. Mm-hmm. Even as a young person, I was really put off and I was trying to make my confirmation If everybody who's Catholic knows what I'm talking about. And I didn't, as a result, I didn't make my confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, and else, but I'm still a Catholic today. I met my wife, but you write that one situation in your life I just started dating seeing it and celebrating. I was taking an instance that I had a bad experience and, and, and almost putting it out That's to exactly the whole church, which is wrong for me to do. And I realized, I know we're coming up on an hour, but I, I got to tell you, this is why community is so important to enrich, make everyone feel good, fill those gaps, show love on your face. As you uh-huh. said, those are great st- statistics too. in upstate New York, I'm glad to share that as well because it, it, it puts it all together. But, um, again, you, you guys are put together. You're, you're doing a great job. Um, if anybody out there, we're going to put a link on here for Valley rescue mission that would like to help in any way you can give them that resource. You know, some people may not be, you know, someone who's very vocal, very up, you know, of course right. monetary donations are always great or maybe accepting some food or whatever it may be, but uh, please check out what, what is the best way to connect again? The best way, you know, yeah. for
2: us, uh, two things, one I'll give you the website address yeah. www.valleyrescuemission.org. give us a call 706-322-8267 again 706-322-8267 and we have just a plethora of of ways where you can connect with the mission whether you want to volunteer you know, whether you want to become a donor maybe you already are a donor thank you if you are you know and we would love to even deepen our relationship with the with our existing donor base as well you know we are are thankful to be in the mission for us uh, in in this community, as long as we have been, but we just wanna be here even longer, still making an impact and having an impact on the lives of people. So I encourage you to reach out to us uh, as soon as possible.
0: Great, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Van Ellison, thank you so much. New CEO of our local Valley Rescue Mission in this area of Columbus, Georgia. There's many others, Van. I know you know a lot of people. Check out that website, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. No matter where you are listening to this podcast, you may be someone out there that could really change a life and it changes yours absolutely it does does, take it off for yourself and of course you'll feel really good when you do that so let's uh again round of applause to you guys for what you're doing appreciate you thank you always all year round we should always be taking care of all our folks in the community so we're out of this uh, time right now, but next week we're coming up. We'll have our next podcast, as you get every week, and you can always connect with us, as always, right here at WRBL.com. WRBL.com gives you a visual, so you can see when I have my shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the look on our faces. You see the look of love on these guys' faces. So I really hope that you can you can check that out. Or in the, these capacities, which would reflect, uh, of course, uh, Apple, Spotify, iHeart. Uh, these are just a few and of course on social media be Jensworth Facebook and Twitter by name. We'll see you next week. And again, thank you for giving back. Because when you do just that, boy, how empowering it can be and how you can change someone's life. You have a good day.